show number 161 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Here we are, another show. Another show, and I just toasted it with my bottle of um, Oberon, <laughs> which is my favorite beer of the summer. Oh, that's good. I might have a beer after we get done. Okay. I'm just drinking water right now so that I have a clear head so mm-hmm. I can talk about all these many things. But I just want to say something. All right. I, I want to praise us and our show. Well, why not? <laughs> because, you know, I listen to a lot of other podcasts and um, other people I know, including our man from New Zealand, listens to a lot of uh-huh. other podcasts. And the thing about other podcasts that makes them less good than our podcast is that the people who do them don't know how to do a podcast. So they start off with the two people who are talking to each other, even on Skype or when they're in the same room, taking about 10 minutes to go, so how was your week? How are you doing? What's going on? And and talking about the weather and how hot it was, which we did before we started the show. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like we didn't include that in the show. And then we have a list of things that we're prepared to talk about. And we know pretty much how long to spend on each topic. Yes. Like, we know that if we spend too long talking about it, people are going to get bored. So we keep it moving along. And we check things off the list. And it's like a real show. Sometimes. (laughs) And sometimes it's just drunken fun. But, you know, that's not every show. Right. But there are just too many podcasts out there by people who just don't know how to produce a show for entertainment. So I just wanted to say I'm so proud of us well, for having a format and for doing it in this semi-professional way. Well, I'm glad you you, uh, you discovered that and brought it up because I always feel like we're flying by the seat of our pants. And uh, But we usually do have a list. So yeah, I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to say that. Now, tell us about your trip to New York. Oh, okay. Well, I was in uh, New York a week or two ago, and I saw the Book of Mormon. Yes, how and was it? it's raunchy and it's funny. Just incredibly funny and very, very entertaining. And I know it's going to be opening in Chicago in a few months, and I'm, it's opening soon out in Colorado, and, mm-hmm. you know, some more people are going to have a chance to see it. But another reason you should see it, if you're not already sold on, on, on the whole idea, is there are, like, three little Star Trek references, <gasps> and I'm Ooh, not going to give exciting. them away. And there is, like, a musical tip of the hat to Doctor Who. Really? Yes. <laughs> I would not have expected that. I didn't either. I mean, the, the Trek things, once you get the idea of the characters and the story and everything, it, it kind of works. I mean, it does work. It absolutely does work. But because there are references to a lot of, like, sci-fi geek things. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's not that unexpected, except... As far as I could see, that was the only reference to Doctor Who, was huh. this one measure of music. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Well, that's interesting that they slotted that in there. I guess they know their audience. Uh, well, I, uh, yeah, I guess they do. But here's the interesting thing about the audience. Of course, it was packed. But the nice thing I like about most of the New York theaters, they're on the small side. Mm-hmm. There are a couple huge, huge, huge theaters but when you go to one of the older ones, like this was in the Eugene O'Neill, maybe? Anyway, um, we were in the literal back row of the balcony and saw everything perfectly. Wow. Cool. 
cool. So, you know, no, no bad seats there. And mm -hmm. here's the other thing about something for everybody. Um, as you know, it's, it has to do with Mormons. And I was with two people, both of whom uh, religion is an important part of their lives. And despite that, we are all really good friends. And so I'm sitting there between these two friends who are involved with their churches, you know, and, and have faith, and, and I'm sitting there, and I have none, and we're all having a wonderful time. And after the show, we were talking about it, and they said, you know, you just, you could not be offended. You just could not be offended. And they said, and part of it is because at the end, it all comes down to faith. And I didn't say anything because I don't want to get in a religious argument on the streets of New York. But I was thinking, geez, my, what I took away from it was when you get down to it, and in every religion, these stories that they are telling you are sacred text and factual are all bullshit. <laughs> that's what I took away from it. But maybe that's the same thing as faith, is knowing it's bullshit and still having faith. I don't know. But um, so, you know, everybody, I really, I'd say if you're not offended at this podcast, you're probably not going to be offended at that. <laughs> I think anybody who, who's offended at this podcast stopped listening a long time ago. <laughs> I know, I kind of miss our hater. Oh, he, I wonder how old would he be now? What, he was like 15 or so? The guy we scared that, into being gay? Yeah. Him. Yeah. Well, now so. he's. I don't know, 22, 23, and out of the closet, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, so on to the bill news. Okay, bill. bill we have a ton of place. bill news, but here is the biggest. The Priceline Negotiator is back. <laughs> and Priceline Negotiator saved my ass twice on this trip to New York. <laughs> and I did, the whole time I was hearing Bill going, bid lower. <laughs> go lower. And I did. And I did really well. Um, but uh, the, the ad, I believe it's going to start running on TV in a day or two, but you can go online to actually watch the ad now. And it, it's very cute. And uh, some of the, the uh, articles I read on it were saying um, they had to bring him back because their stock was going down. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had also read an article saying, well, the reason they got rid of the negotiator was because they are moving away, and I hadn't heard this before, they are moving away from the bidding to just low price. So, you know, Bill has played several roles for them, so maybe the negotiator is going to become something else, but it is a really cool commercial. It's very funny, um, and he looks really good in it, too, oh, I have yeah. to say. Oh, yeah. He has a much better toupee in that, <laughs> or whatever he's wearing on his head now, uh -huh. than uh, he has in recent appearances. Okay. And he's also um, very funny with the dialogue that they've given him to say. Yes. And uh, so, you know, I'm sure in a week or so, outtakes and things will be... Yes. showing up but you know glad glad to see him back you know he still shows up here in Chicago doing the Mike Slocum commercials um, let him know you mean business but it'll be nice to have him back as the negotiator who is so cool yes absolutely I think so you know I um, can't remember who said it it was one yes. of our listeners and I think it was a face-to-face -face conversation but they said um, something about you know when they started filming those commercials the most interesting man in the world they wanted Bill of course. And every time they come up with something new for that most interesting man, the things he does, I'm like, Bill, Bill, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> of course. Because in real life, he's actually done all those things. Uh, he, they didn't have to invent them for no, the character. No, no. 
they just looked at his life and, mm-hmm. and they took them and they said, oh, well, let's use them for this commercial. They, yeah. they didn't have to do research or anything. They just looked at his biography. But um, I would say whatever Priceline paid bill, stock, money, dancing girls, private island, whatever it was, <laughs> they have gotten their money's worth. I, I think so. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that Bill is going to be shilling for, <laughs> yes. uh, which he always is, he's been tweeting. In fact, he tweeted today, and I just retweeted it, um, about doing webisodes on wine. Yeah, I saw something about that. I don't know what, what Bill is learning about wine, but, you know, every time Bill learns something, he wants to share it with the rest of, uh, yeah. rest of us. And I keep having this, not exactly a fantasy, but this imagination running wild thing where Bill suddenly becomes interested in the field that I'm in. (laughs) And as with all of Bill's interests, he makes them fun and glamorous. And suddenly Uh my boring field would look like, oh, wow, how lucky you are to be doing that. Because Bill said it was good. Yeah, Bill's you know fascinated by it. It's true. Yeah. Well, the thing I am just hoping is that um, he's not doing some snotty, uh, you know, over-the-top wine thing that is going to be completely unappealing because of the way those snotty people are about wine. I don't think it would be like that, but you know. I don't think so because for for all of his. I don't know, b- bombast and, and everything else. Bill is actually a pretty down-to-earth guy. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. is. It just, whenever I think of, like, those wine programs, it makes me think of, um, I don't know if you remember this on Futurama, but there was a, a episode where Bender was getting into, like, high-end booze and cigars, and he was reading a magazine called Arrogant Cigar Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not remember that. So that's kind of where the whole wine thing takes me. Okay, well, let's hope it's not arrogant wine jerk. But exactly, exactly. Yeah, they're definitely, that should be like the subtitle of that Cigar Aficionado magazine. <laughs> I, know, I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, let's talk about the TSA thing. The TSA thing. Bill losing his pants. Yes, okay, yes, yes. Um, Apparently, (laughs) he was going commando. He was. Oh, Bill. So, now I I have a comment to add to this. I just read an article yesterday or the day before in the Tribune. Um, I don't know if you know there's this preferred traveler program. Uh, and for our listeners who don't know, and for you who's going, oh, uh, yeah. um, <laughs> you can sign up for this program. Now, some airlines have invited their most frequent flyers to sign up, and then it's free, but other people can and pay. And it's run by the TSA, where they do like a full background check on you. And then you get to go through the line faster and keep your shoes on and, you know, keep your laptop in your bag or or whatever you know there are some perks mainly the idea of getting through the line faster Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not every airport has it but you know there are more and more signing up and they were pointing out how um this is the new version of the old program and there have been some enormous screw-ups people who are on the old program are being told no you can't go through this line and blah 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 but i was thinking why doesn't bill get on that program Mm -hmm. he flies all the time yeah Constantly. I mean, really, 
if I was flying all the time like I used to for business, I'd get on that program. You know, there's nothing that bad in my background. Nothing that should concern the government about letting me be on a plane. I wonder if it doesn't work for international flights, though. Maybe it's different for domestic versus international. But he travels a lot domestic. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, maybe this particular incident was unavoidable because of the international nature of his his travel. But it makes me feel really bad for him that his pants fell down and he wasn't wearing any underwear. Well, he said he wanted to be comfortable. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't expect your pants to fall down. No, no. And, you know, also I'm wondering, I know really nothing about this travel program other than what I told you. I wonder if they would let a Canadian citizen sign Uh, up. This is true. Yeah. Well, apparently there were people at LAX looking at his butt, his actual butt. And not taking pictures from what I can tell. Yeah. So that's nice. People at least respected that. Well, one assumes maybe they didn't have time, you know. It probably (laughs) happened very quickly. Well, let's hope. Elizabeth pulled his pants back up just as fast as could possibly happen. Well, the headline was TSA pulled William Shatner's pants down during strip search, exposing his starship. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. <sighs> and they, they're really snarky about it. TSA forced Shatner's pants to fall down like yeah. they commanded them, who was not wearing underwear. And his 81-year-old unmentionables were briefly shown for all to see. Mm-hmm. So they have to point out that it's old man genitals, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is the examiner, you know, which mm-hmm. is um, questionable sort of journalism, I have to say. <laughs> okay. Despite the fact that there's a guy who writes for the examiner who's actually quite good and likes us and sends us fan mail once in a while. Right, right. Uh, um, I mean... Look at the ads that are running along the side of the page. It's all about people in jail. Well, it depends on who you are. You know, I, I probably am seeing entirely different things. Oh, this is true. Oh, no, there's comments. Oh, Do oh, I comments. I want to look at the comments. Let's look at the Does anybody say this is a disaster? That's I'm always looking, first. I'm looking. Well, I see that um, some people are saying, why are they patting down William Shatner? Yes. I didn't realize Shatner was 81. That's a good comment. Yes. I'm scrolling Let's, through them, too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jenny Crane would have handled it a tad differently. Differently, yeah. I saw that. That's very good. Yes. I like that. So, so there we have that, you know. Poor Bill. Yeah, but he did handle it with grace and, you know, typically made a joke out of it, as yes. we had mentioned last time. Yes, and um, also later tonight when we finish this podcast, Bill's going to be on Craig Ferguson. And I did put that on our uh, Facebook thing, so, you know, people who are following that Mm -hmm. can can be sure and and watch for that because that's always lunacy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he'll be shilling for his wine thing or for the Epics film or uh, Priceline Negotiator. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Uh, Um. Can we talk about the Urban Dictionary thing for a second? Yes. Because there's a couple things here that um, I, I think definitely deserve to be talked about. So um, the, the entry in Urban Dictionary, for people who don't know, Urban Dictionary is this site where um, you can go and look up slang terms or just mm-hmm. like internet speak or things that you might not have heard of. And anybody can go and log in and enter a definition or, um, you know, put some information in there. So it's very much a crowdsourced kind of thing. Right. 
Um, so this one, which was just entered, it was their word of the day from August 14th of this year, was Shatner texting. And I want to point out, this was sent to us by uh, Peter from uh, Down Under. Mm-hmm. He was uh, the one who let us know about this. So thank this you, is- Peter. Now this we will is- continue with the discussion. It sa- Here's the definition of Shatner texting. When someone sends several one to three word texts to complete a sentence, thought, phrase, or anything that would take a normal person one text to send. This behavior can cause the receiver of Shatner text to have their phones freeze because of the abundance of text coming at once. It can also cause aggravation or annoyance because the receiver cannot read the first text because the rest of the texts are, are strolling. I think it should be rolling in. I like strolling. Um, <laughs> Not to be confused with spamming, named after William Shatner's speech patterns. And then they give an example of Bob texting Mary where Bob is putting like two words on each line. What are you doing later this evening? I was thinking maybe you and... And then Mary says, stop Shatner texting me. (laughs) (laughs) And he keeps doing and then it's like Mary throws the phone. Yep. Um... Do you know what I just realized? What's that? I, down the, the, the left-hand side are all these other Shatner terms. So that's the second thing I wanted to talk well, about. Well, I just noticed it. So yes, please. <laughs> so um, the Shatner texting thing is very funny. I also have this issue with people who do that on I am when they're I aming with you. Yes. And they do the same sort of like one word per line as if they have to hit the return key after each word that they type when they're mm-hmm. IMing. It's like, I, I hate that. I also hate the opposite. When people will IM you and type like a paragraph that has 300 words in it and then hit return. It's like, both of those are wrong. Yes. <laughs> Do something in between. Type a sentence and then hit return. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, the way the website works, apparently, is that when you have a one word up on your screen or one phrase up there, along the left-hand side, just like in a dictionary, it gives yep. you all of the, the words that are close to it. And there's a whole bunch of them that are Shatner. I know! This is amazing! So, there's Shatnerd, Shatneresque, Shatnerian. There's something that's Shatnerian reserves. I want to see what this means. Okay, I just clicked it. Um Overdramatic comeback by a hero who seems defeated, tending to speak in short, clipped phrases. <laughs> so oh, his, you, his you, Shatnerian you drag reserves. drag up your, your Shatnerian reserves, you know, to, uh, to do that. Oh, that's great. And Shatner eyes, Shatner paws, Shatner's bassoon. What um, is Shatner's bassoon? Um, it's the name of a band, isn't it? Oh, here it says, like a Dutch rudder, only the recipient autofillates <laughs> whilst the participant... <laughs> manually moves their head up and down. Oh, my God. I had no idea that that was that. (laughs) There is a band called Shatner's Bassoon, though. I remember that. Okay. Oh, that's too funny. To Shatnerize is to deliberately produce something so bad it's good. To parody (laughs) yourself. Okay. I I can take those. Shatner Sexual. Oh, what's that mean? Attracted to and will only mate with an identical genetic copy of themselves, <laughs> as this would be the only obviously worthy mate. <laughs> Here are suspected Shatner sexuals include Lady Gaga, Dick Cheney, the prince formerly known as Artist, Ziggy Stardust, and Oprah. <laughs> That's great. Oh, oh my, 
my here, goodness. how about this one? Um, Shatnuka, actor William Shatner's birthday, March 22nd. Oh, so, you see. Okay, so Shatnuka is the first night of Shatmoy. That's right. Um, Our religion's called... getting really complex here. <laughs> Some some people called it Shatmas, a Christmas-like celebration of his birthday. Okay. But William Shatner was raised Jewish, and therefore it should be um, Hanukkah. So yes. eight days of Shatner is better than one. Yes, <laughs> yes. We That's should maybe gorgeous. submit Shatmoy. I think we should, because I don't see it here. And, you know, some of the other things, like Shatnerian. What is Shatneresque? Oh, it's Ooh. probably in the manner of Shatneresque. Oh, a dramatization using overacting, also characterized by extra pauses in a sentence okay <laughs> okay let's see what's uh oh some of these are are really weird how about the the shadow sphere i don't even see that read that uh. <laughs> that's that doesn't refer to william shatner at all oh okay <laughs> so maybe we'll just skip that one for okay now. okay oh my goodness this is amazing Lots and lots and lots. Really? Oh, what's Shatner's disease? What does it mean? What does uh, it that's mean? what I'm looking for. A condition from birth which makes an individual, usually a celebrity, have delusions of grandeur in one particular field, i.e. acting. These people are not actually talented. They just feel they are due to Shatner's disease, also called the worthless gene. There is no known cure or treatment. Well, I completely disagree with that, but... Well, you know how these things are, you know, in, yeah. in something that anybody can um, edit, yes. you'll find all kinds of weird things. That's true. That's true. Well, that is um, certainly a find. <laughs> oh, it's great. So um, I'm glad that there are so many words in Urban Dictionary that uh, have their origin in William Shatner because that's kind of the way it should be. Yes. Uh, that's what I think anyway. But yeah, you, we should definitely put Shatmoy in there. I'll have to look at okay, how to edit how you do how that. Yeah. Well, speaking of Bill as part of Urban Legend and everything, I want to sort of skip ahead a little bit and talk about uh -huh. this podcast I just listened to, yes. which is Kevin, Kevin Smith, I think, has a lot of podcasts. But yeah, he, this one is producer. called Smodcast. <laughs> yeah. And it's about movie makers. And oh, what okay. he put in this podcast is the audio of the panel he hosted with Roger Corman and William Shatner. So you can listen oh. to the whole panel. Oh, that's awesome. And it's it's really great. But you know, he has Corman out first and you know, gets Corman telling really interesting stories about his early days and how he you know, got into filmmaking and, and everything. And then when he's going to, to bring Bill out, he says something like, okay, this is a person who they just say needs no introduction, but this guy really does need an introduction because he is probably the most important figure in modern pop culture. <laughs> so that, I thought, was pretty wonderful and amazing. And um, I, 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 I'm going to urge everyone to go listen to it, but... I wanted to tell a couple of little stories. One I noted to myself is the helicopter story. <laughs> and um, I can't remember exactly how this came about that Bill told this, but I had never heard this story before. Cool. Which is when they were filming Groom Lake, mm -hmm. um, he had hired a helicopter at like $400 an hour for an entire day to do 
all these various shots of, of you know crowds and people on the ground and, and all kinds of things. And so his plan was to get the helicopter up there, you know, get set up, do the shot, get set up for the next shot, which maybe is near the end of the movie, do the shot, get set up for the next, you know, do it like that. So everything's ready, you know, they've gotten all the people and everything, and it's 4.30 in the morning, they're out in the middle of nowhere or whatever, and, uh, and he's going, well, where, where's, where's the helicopter? Where is this guy? Oh, there's a helicopter, damn fool, what's he doing over there? So, you know, he and his assistants or whatever all hop in whatever vehicles they have, and they drive like 15 miles and realize that's the North Star. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. And yeah, I, I good, hadn't heard good. that one. But um, another really wonderful moment occurred when uh, one of the questions from the audience is, like, what was your biggest challenge in filmmaking or something like that? And, uh, and you know, he and Corman both agrees that, agreed that every film is a challenge. But um, Bill got to talking about what do you do when you have a very definite idea of you know how it should be and the producers the studio whoever you're working for are going no 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 do you stand on principle do you cave what do you do and roger corman goes well my idea is to stand on principle until it would break the film and usually if you do stand on principle the studio will give in Hmm. And Bill goes, oh. <laughs> like, this is news to him. And then he goes, well, um, yeah, so that was my biggest challenge. And then Kevin Smith goes, yeah, to people who are challenged. <laughs> it was so snarky. And through the whole rest of the thing, he's just, you know, singing the praises of, of Bill and Roger Corman and everything. But it's um, a really fun podcast to listen to. And... Um, if you download it, you can skip the first five minutes. It's all commercials, you know, and that's how Kevin gets to do all these things. So, you know, that's great. But you don't have to listen to it. But it is a very, very interesting podcast. Oh, that's awesome. I totally want to listen to that. Well, I will put up the link so people could go and find it and listen to it. Because, I, yeah, everybody should hear that. That would be great. Yes. Okay. So, what's next? Um, let's do a quick thing. Let's talk about um, some of this stuff on Trek today. Uh, more Trek crap. Oh, the, the, the new Trek posters? The new Trek everything. It's more than just posters. Right. It's new Trek posters, figurines, and more. And more. And the piece starts off by saying, it's never too early to begin the holiday shopping. Don't you know? <laughs> Don't you know? So you can get new Star Trek crap. And some of it is nice and some of it really is crap. Yeah, um, the, the things that are, are nicer that are mentioned in the article is there's a series of posters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think only four are available right now, but they're designed for individual episodes. Yeah, they're beautiful. And they are. They're really, really neat. So, you know, that, that's, a, that's somebody doing Trek crap that isn't crap. And that, that that's you know. Right. They really put some time into it, and it is a cool thing. Uh, the next thing is an actual piece of crap, <laughs> which is, um, I, I hate to even say this, but it's a Star Trek Precious Moments figurine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's supposed to be Captain Kirk <laughs> 
sitting in his chair with these big teardrop-shaped uh -huh. eyes and, you know, the typical precious moments figuring head and face. And it is so creepy. It's awful. It's the worst thing ever. And I was going to say, if you ever gave me this as a present, as a piece of Trek crap, our friendship would be over. I think so. I really, I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> and it makes me really proud that many, many years ago, I was actually thrown out of a Hallmark store for <laughs> noisily making fun of Precious Moments figurines. So. Oh, see, you're the kind of person who knows the difference between <clears throat> two different pieces of Trek crap, something like this, which is an abomination on the face of the earth. <laughs> As are Precious Moments in general, in my opinion. Yes, and they should all be crushed to dust and, you know, thrown into an active volcano. And... The thing that you tried so hard to get but couldn't find, which was the little uh, teddy, teddy bear. bear. Yeah. Now, that was a piece of Trek crap, too, but it was adorable. It was the cutest thing ever, and it had a little Kirk smirk on its face yes, as well. Yes, yes, yeah. So oh, th God. You know. I, w I still wish I could have gotten that. Yep. So that, that would have been awesome. This is just should not be allowed to exist. Yeah, and then there's an Enterprise key ring. Yeah, because we need more of those. There aren't enough Enterprise key rings around. Right, right, or keychain or whatever you want to call it. So, um, but yeah, the precious moments thing is is vomit making. <laughs> and you know, he's got an expression on his face that you would never in a million years see on Captain's Kirk, Kirk Captain Kirk's face, which is kind of, oops, I got yeah. caught being naughty. You know, I yeah. mean, it's uh, uh, it's so cloying. It. Uh, Maybe you know, he pooped in the captain's chair. That's just it. He looks like he, he made a boom boom where he shouldn't, <laughs> you know. Oh, God. They'll do anything. They, They'll just do anything. And the thing is, you know, just like the, 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 the list for fans who like Star Trek and, and cats, you know, there are people who like Star Trek and Precious Moments and are going to go for this. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of them are on the Star Trek and cats list. Yeah, but, this um, is true. Yeah, you know, well, you know, when they were doing all those those um, Trek baby stories and, and things online, oh, God. this is, I think, it's sort of a natural uh, consequence of that. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, let's not talk about this anymore. Um, okay, it's too creepy, <laughs> so let's not talk about it. Let's just close that. Okay, done. Um, so let's talk about one more thing before we take our break. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to get to the um, little video from the Las Vegas Review Journal that was about fans debating the top 10 all-time Star Trek fights. Oh, good. I want to talk about that, too. So um, go ahead. Take it away. So there was a Star Trek convention in Las Vegas recently at the Rio Hotel and Casino. 20,000 people, which is pretty amazing. Um, there were some uh, celebrities there. I think Nichelle was there, and I think mm -hmm. Brent Spiner might have been there, too. Um, a discussion led by the popular column One Trek Mind author Jordan Hoffman debated the top ten all-time fights in Star Trek history. And this was through all of Trek. It wasn't right. just the original series. So the video that is here is of this author uh, kind of running it down, reading it, interestingly, off his iPhone. Uh -huh. <laughs> Rather than having it like written on a piece of paper, oh, that's, he's that's reading so it off. And then they cut to some of the 
footage of fans who were nominating the different fights, mm-hmm. and then they did some interviews with some of them, of course, dressed in costume, talking about which of their fights were the favorite. Yes. Um, so I was pretty pleased with the list of 10. I, I think I could get on board with most of it. Yeah, um, I was very glad. The first thing that came to mind for me when I just saw the title was I thought, well, the fight with Finnegan is the longest because it right. runs right through a commercial break. <laughs> yep. So, you know, that, that is a long fight. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I was surprised was not on there. Yeah. Where No Man. I was thinking about that. That fight and with then... Gary Mitchell is incredible. It is. I think maybe they didn't include it because it wasn't all just fist fighting. You know, there were superpowers and weapons involved. But what on the list was the fight with the Klingons with the swords? I don't know. I, I was trying to rationalize it myself. Yeah. I agree with you. Yes. But um, yeah, it is. It is interesting. I mean, I love these lists, mm-hmm. and I I love when they are made by people who are are passionate about what they're doing. And I like how uh, in the video the guy said one of the reasons he did this is he wanted people to see what it's like to have to come up with a list, not to have to come up with 10, but to have to narrow it to 10. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So it was interesting to me that having all of the Star Trek series to choose from, that original series had three of the 10, I think. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of cool. Although they did admit that the fight with the Gorn made it sort of on... um, uh, cheese factor because it's it's a very bad fight, you know. Well, you know that's okay. That's part of Trek, also. Uh, I agree. I I think so. Uh, should we reveal what the number one fight was? Yes. Oh well, it was Kirk versus Spock in a muck time. I'm not surprised at that. No, it is. It's kind of the canonical fight, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I am a little surprised that. Um, uh, 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 <laughs> yes. The the Kirk versus Kirk. Fight oh, yeah. in um, it's a third season episode. Garth of Izar, yeah, that yeah. one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Whom gods um, destroy. No, that's not it. I can't think of the title of it. I can't either. <sighs> but it's the one where the the girl does the real hot dance, and Spock yeah. says, "Reminds him of a dance Vulcan school children do." And that just <laughs> makes me wonder about Vulcan childhood. <laughs> But um, so I was kind of surprised that Kirk versus Kirk wasn't in it. Yeah, well, it was a pretty good. It was a good um, narrowing, I thought. Yes. And, you yes. know, um, they did have two Klingon fights in there, which seemed reasonable, mm-hmm. and they did get in the Trouble with Tribbles fight, which is also pretty classic. It, it is classic, and it's an, an extremely well put together and well choreographed fight. Yep, exactly. So that was fun. That was a really fun thing. I like that. Yeah. All right. Um, let's take a little break. Okay. And then um, let's come back for some sex toy talk. Oh, okay. I didn't have that on my list. Well, I had it on my list. Okay, good. Well, then <laughs> this will be a big surprise to me. Let's come back soon. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Got a question, comment, or suggestion? Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and comments at lookathisbutt at blogspot.com. 
This podcast recorded on a MacBook Pro with GarageBand. Well, we haven't done any sex toy talk for a while. I know. Um, and here we have a wonderful overlap. Um, this is the Etsy segment, and that overlaps with the sex toys. So we, we sort of kill two birds with one stone here. So um, posted to Regretsy, my, my new favorite website, is um, the top five Etsy dildos. Um, and it starts off by saying, did you know that Etsy is your number one resource for handmade sex toys? It's true. There are more dildos on Etsy than any other online marketplace. And that's just the forums. <laughs> and then there's a little graph that says the most popular items on Etsy, and it's a pie chart. Um, so one, one slice is things with mustaches on them. Next slice is things with tiny hats on them. Next is things with watch parts on them. And then designs stolen by Urban Outfitters. <laughs> and then designs stolen from Urban Outfitters. And then the three quarters of the pie is dildos. Yep. <laughs> so these the were just... The wants what it wants. It's true. Um, so these were just hilarious. And we can run through them pretty quickly. And there is um, a, a Trek thing in here, sort of. Uh, okay. uh, let's say a science fiction thing. Okay. So the first one is a steampunk dildo that prices at $759.99. And it is a dildo that is um, powered with uh, steam, so it has an open flame. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I I don't want flaming. You know, we go into tiki bars and ask if they have something on fire, but I don't want something flaming, you know, coming towards my vagina. Yeah, Just so it says, yeah, the instructions say, add alcohol, light the wick, and flip the flywheel to harness the vibration to pleasure yourself into the next century. Uh, there is a warning. It says, open flame on this puppy, so not recommended for actual use. <laughs> so it's just, um, it's a, you know, an icebreaker. I guess. You just put it on a shelf or something. So that's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's another one. The next one is just the scariest thing I've ever seen. I know. I would not I have thought this was a sex toy even. I don't it's even know how to describe weird. it. It's like a dildo with doll heads attached or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but it's it's made from, um, it's kiln fire, and so it's it's like uh, ceramic of, of some sort. I don't know. And the, the faces on these three heads that are attached to it, they're made up as like sort of gothic things with mustaches and well, yeah. So now they're in two lipstick. different categories. Yeah, so that's really scary, and that's priced at one hundred and twenty-five dollars. Mm-hmm. The next one is um, a clear Pyrex glass cross dildo. So that looks pretty scary to me, also. Mm-hmm. And each of the um, pieces of it have heads on them so i guess you could have four people simultaneously using it i guess but this part that cracks me up satanic fetish sex adult wand and then highlighted unique christmas gift <laughs> do the satanists celebrate christmas <laughs> i like how they spelled nocturnal with a k yeah okay <laughs> I like all the different words, like word salad, mature, clear, Pyrex, glass, cross, dildo, designed by nocturnal, eclipse, blasphemy, inverted cross. 
that's so funny. Okay, the next one is a dildo. It's really big. It's really long, and engraved on it in German, um, it says, "Take care of your snatch." <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. And it says. The integrated hole, which has become a trademark in the appearance of our toys, makes it possible to show it off around your neck like jewelry. So you could wear it like jewelry. Or hang it on the wall. Or hang it on the wall. It's sold, so there's no price on it, unfortunately. The last one is the science fiction reference, and it's called the Dark Invader Dildo. It's only $40. It's the cheapest of all of the, the dildos that are shown here. And it has a Darth Vader head on top of it, uh huh, which looks really uncomfortable, I have to say. It really does, but I like the first sentence. All my dildos and butt plugs are handmade in the USA. USA! Yeah. <laughs> Be patriotic with your sex toys. It's pretty ugly, I have to say that. It's one of the uglier things I've ever seen. Yep. It so, is pretty horrible. I think last time we talked about the fact that somebody was looking for um, uh, a custom-made butt plug that said where no man had gone before. <laughs> yeah. And so now, you know, this is the other side of the coin. It's a Star Wars yeah. dildo. Yeah. So, you know, there's something for every fandom out there, I think. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Star Trek was the first and the greatest. Yeah, always is. So, uh, so that's our sex toy segment. You guys should go to Etsy and check out that because I think that um, – the pie chart that was given at the beginning of this article is exactly right. There are more dildos on Etsy than anything else. Yeah, so if you have, you know, a particular kink or just, you know, are, are curious about, and gee, I wonder if there's a sex toy, you know, having to do with uh, Betty Crocker or something, you know. <laughs> you might want to search around on Etsy. There seems to be quite a quite a variety of things. I, I bet you could find it or you could definitely find someone to make it for you. I bet you could. Yes. Now, let's go to another list. We were talking I was about just going to say that. Yeah. Did you read this article? Um, I, I read most of it. I didn't read every sentence, but I read most of it. Okay, well, I want to read parts of it because I thought it was a particularly interesting take on compiling the list. Cool. And this is the 10 must-see episodes of Star Trek, and it is all TOS. Mm-hmm. And it's from the AV Club, and the people yes. who write for the AV Club are great. It says, with so many new series, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we point you toward the 10 episodes that best represent a TV series, classic or modern. If you watch those 10, you'll have a better of I- idea of what the series was about without having to watch the whole thing. So these are not meant to be the 10 best episodes, but rather the 10 most representative episodes. Mm-hmm. That's great. So um, I really like what he has to say just about Star Trek in general. Star Trek isn't just a show. It's a cult an in-joke, a war cry, and for the uninitiated, a prime example of all that is obsessive and bizarre in nerd culture. Mm -hmm. The original series has spawned spin-offs, movies, and more. It has transcended its cheap sets and rubber prosthetics to become a part of our modern mythology. As such, it can be assumed that new new viewers would approach the episodes that started everything with a certain weight of expectation in mind. Years of tie-in novels and extensive Wikipedia pages give the impression that this is a show rich with continuity, attentive plotting, and deep storied characters. That's not exactly true, and it would be easy to watch an episode or two and get turned off by just how much this isn't modern Trek. Mm 
There's barely any serialization, the themes are often laughably heavy-handed, and the effects are, at best, charmingly lo-fi. Yet for all that, Star Trek remains a legitimate great show. What it lacks in polish and subtlety, it more than makes up for in energy and charm. Creator Gene Roddenberry's Wagon Train to the Stars is one of the finest examples of pulp storytelling, emotion first, logic eventually, ever brought to the small screen. And uh, I thought, you know, that that was, that was just a really good way of setting up the list and, and sort of refuting the people, you know, who, who just see a little bit of it and mm-hmm. see the camp and everything and don't, don't get maybe what we, the other viewers, are bringing to it or, or all that's there in the totality. Yeah. I, I would argue a little bit with um, the, the comment about the deep and storied characters. I, I think it's remarkable that the characters were as deep as they were. Yes, there was it's true, as but much... you know, that has gotten added to over the years, mm, not always true. by fans, but the movies did so much to deepen yeah. um, those characters. Yeah, I, I find it remarkable how much layering um, the actors managed to invest in the characters mm-hmm. given the scripts that they had there. They're, you know, they just really sprang to life almost fully formed right from the beginning, and you felt that they were complete, well-rounded characters, especially Kirk. I yes. think we've talked about Well, that we've before. talked before about how the Spock character, as we consider it to be Spock, uh, Nimoy didn't really find it until, I don't know, maybe five, six episodes in, yeah. and then it was solid and beautiful. But Kirk was there from the first shot. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think that def- it goes underappreciated by people when they're looking at, you know, not just the writing, but the way the characters were there and interacted mm-hmm. with each other. Um, I have to say, I pretty much agree with this list. I think it's a very good list. It really is. And as the descriptions of the episodes and why he included them on the list are very, very much worth reading. There was one um, that I would have... Specter of the Gun, just to me, is not a special episode mm. in any I- way. I, the thing I like about Spectre of the Gun um, isn't the plotting of it, but really uh, the set decoration and what they did with this very high concept thing that they were trying to do. Mm, yeah. Um, I don't even think the acting is very good in it, frankly, because there's a lot of Chekhov in it, which is kind of like, ugh, I can't do <laughs> yeah. that. Well, you know, and then he says, and if you like these here are ten more, the one... He, he lists on his, his ten alternates that I would have included on the list instead of Spectre of the Gun mm-hmm. is Doomsday Machine. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, that, you know, I think that shows, you know, Trek did a lot with the idea of people going mad mm-hmm. from the pressures of this job, and that's one of the better ones. Yeah. And also the, the idea of the sacrifice yeah. that uh, Decker makes, I have always found that to be incredibly moving. Well, one of the other ones that I could see including for um, reasons of uh, really deep plotting and showing something both about character and about the universe that they live in is Errand of Mercy because of the last scene when Kirk gets pissed off at the Organians and starts shouting at them that they can't stop him from making war. There's just so much in that. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. I love the way he plays that and I love the statement that it makes that... You know, here he's been he's been put in this position of making this ridiculous argument 
right um, for something that he doesn't want and it's it's great to see him brought up short sort of hoist by his own petard so to speak and thinking like what am I doing this yeah. is ridiculous and I really like that I think that's a, a great twist to it because he's usually right you know that that's what you expect from him and in this case he's not right he's right. really wrong yeah um, I, I want to expand a little on what he says about a muck time which is on the list mm-hmm. and um, his reason for putting it on the list is um, how much it develops Spock's character and how, you know, Spock losing it is is such a big deal. And he also says it's a key step in a show that had engaged with alien races before, but had never spent much time building them up to anything beyond momentary antagonists, which is very, very true. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, um, certainly Spock going into Pond Farm, that's sort of the MacGuffin. That's what kicks the episode off. But I honestly think what provides the dramatic tension is the friendship between Kirk and Spock. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that Kirk is, is willing, you know, without even giving it a second thought, to put his career on the line. And not because so much he owes Spock, although that's what he says, but because of the friendship. Mm-hmm. And Spock's, when he comes out of his pond fire, now he has to keep control again, but his horror at what he's done... You see that when he, uh, you know, practically bursts out laughing when he sees that Kirk is alive. I mean, it's it's a wonderful example of of, of finding a way to show Spock's emotion without mm-hmm. really going there. But I think that was so key to this series. Um, I mean, even shows that had people playing brothers didn't. I don't think show closeness and and caring at that mm-hmm. depth. Yeah. So yeah. um it, a muck time is rightfully on the list but for for more reasons than than what he cites and I'm I'm not criticizing him because I think this is a fantastic list and I love how he he points out okay this episode is a good example of them encountering mm-hmm. the godlike creature. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I also just mention, since Mirror Mirror is on the list, <laughs> of course, that he calls out the costumes and says the uniforms on the evil Enterprise appear to have been designed by a dominatrix with a sash fetish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. So very, very funny. Yes. So that was an outstanding list, I thought, and I would love for everybody to go take a look at it and, uh, you know, see. If, uh, well, see if, if they, they agree. agree. And now I'm scrolling down to see if... Um, oh, are there comments? Is yeah, there a, but this it's is an a idiot. disaster? You know, he's doing Shatner texting. It's one word. Oh, God. But then it gets into other people. Oh, I, I want oh no, now to they're say, just arguing. I want somebody to say this is a disaster. They're arguing over <laughs> the guy who was putting the one word per line great yes, and, and here's something in all caps if he spent all that typing he might not have been first don't you know anything <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> okay <laughs> so yeah Oh, but somebody and did comment. And now they're into these arguments about the definition of first. God, I love the internet. <laughs> oh, but somebody further down says, "Will she?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny, so 
so funny. Okay. Um, yeah, so we could spend the rest of this episode reading the comments on this thing, but I don't think we should do that. No, no. Okay, but they're there for your entertainment. Now, one of them mentioned something, and I want to talk about it. It wasn't on the list. Yeah. Uh, we heard from one of our listeners about the idea of uh, Gary Mitchell being the villain. Oh, yes. And uh, he said it's definitely not Mitchell, so maybe, I don't know. We don't know anything for sure yet. But he pointed out something I had not considered it at all. Yeah. He said maybe it's Finnegan. I guess. Finnegan's not really a villain, though. No, he's an annoying guy. <laughs> he's an annoying guy that Kirk gets to beat the crap out of. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I just thought, now that's kind of an interesting idea. I guess so. I, and I could see, so... could see uh, Benedict Cumberbund playing <laughs> a version of Finnegan more than a version of Mitchell. I guess. I mean, he seems so non-threatening in Shore Leave, though. He just... But that, you know, as people have argued, and I've been in these arguments myself, that is Kirk's memory of him. That's true. Yeah, it's true. But I also heard the guy who played Cupcake in the first episode, in the first movie. Uh Uh-huh. Big guy, and Kirk called him Cupcake. Um, He is going to come back. Oh, In this movie. So, (laughs) anyway, I don't know. That's I don't thrilling. know, but I just, I just like the idea of, well, okay, yeah, there are other possibilities, and um, it certainly would go against everything J.J. Abrams has said if about the comics, you know, we're supposed to sort of fill in mm-hmm. if he's just going to use one of the comics. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. Oh, okay, let's talk about something pleasant now. Okay, um, what would you like to talk about that's pleasant? I, I, I would like to talk about Trek in the Park, because okay. I think this is awesome. Okay. Um, so, in Portland, Oregon, there's a theater troupe called Atomic Arts, and they do live outdoor performances of Star Trek episode from the original series, of course. And there's a little video of them doing Space Seed, and this year they're doing Journey to Babel. Um, and they do it outside in a park, and this is, a, you know, there's a lot of people there, and it looks very beautiful, and the sun is shining, and the grass is green, and I just think that would be the coolest thing ever. And there is um, a film clip, and also it's running through August 26th. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we're going to get this up in time for those of you who are nearby to be able to, to run to uh, Cathedral Park and see this. Yeah, and also it seems like... Um, they're now maybe making it a yearly thing. So if you yeah. live up in Portland, look for it next year. That's right. Um, and I like the description here. It says, uh, will the father ever see eye to eye with his son? Will Bones ever adjust to his dress uniform? And can any other actor steal a scene like William Shatner? Well, we know the answer to that last one. And it's no. Definitely no. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that that was a cool idea. Yes. Um, and then there were other articles about this thing that we'd mentioned last time, which was the uh, performance of the complete works of William Shatner. Parents. At the Minnesota Fringe Festival. That's right, abridged. So we still don't know much about this, although we probably should find out more about it because I'd like to know exactly what it is. Well, here's a little bit of a description. Okay. A Shakespearean understudy named William Shatner walks out of his 1950s dressing room to find himself on a barren planet with none other than Captain James T. Kirk. They are soon joined by T.J. Hooker, who makes his entrance by rolling off of a moving car, (laughs) and the Priceline negotiator. Denny Crane makes a cameo as well. 
As you can see in the photo above, these actors do not resemble Shatner at all. That's part of the joke. Bowlesby has Kirk's adventurous swagger and punctuating hand gestures down pat. You forget immediately that Kirk is being played by a woman. Yay! Uren, Uren whatever the guy's name is, U-R-E-N, sounds just like the Shatner we see today on late night talk shows. I won't give any spoilers, but the storyline the concoct is both ridiculous and clever, and it is a very fun show. I would like to see that. I hope they film it because that would be cool. Yeah, like to see it a lot. Yeah, I think that's cool. And then there's one other. Oh no, it's 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 the same it's the same thing. It's about the complete works, but it yeah. doesn't seem to give us a lot more info. Yeah, it's, what a concept. Yeah, but you know, um, I told a friend of mine, he, who's been working in professional theater for like 30, 30 some years, and I told him about our, our you know, little look at his butt live thing, and that sort of the, the centerpiece of it was the interview with Marjorie. And I told him, you know, who Marjorie was, and how she talked, and the type of things she said, and he goes, that's a wonderful concept. <laughs> That's a brilliant concept, actually. So, I don't oh, know. Did, you just sent me email today saying that you actually saw an article about somebody who went to space school. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it was called space school, and the headline, or the you know the tag at the top, it was too minor to be a headline. Said graduating space school. <laughs> <laughs> I think Marjorie said that in I one know of her she pieces. She kept calling it the space school. I'm not sure if she ever mentioned graduating, but yeah. yeah, you know, I imagine Marjorie's take on what graduation was like would be uh, interesting. Yeah, you know, she would have everybody over to the house after the graduation. And that's right, for some, you know, some hot dish and, and treats and, and snacks. Lemon, and lemonade. Lemonade. And, and then people would come and they'd all have cards for Jimmy, right? Oh, like, of course two dollars inside mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, the best part would be when they all threw their space helmets up in the air <laughs> <laughs> oh graduating from space school <laughs> and then they would get their space diplomas <laughs> oh my god okay um Let's talk about two more things very briefly, and okay. then I think we could wrap this up, um, unless there's a lot more. No, go ahead. I think we've run through my list, but you go on. Okay, so this was just the uh, little thing that you had sent about the new show that's called Bullet in the Face. Oh, yes. Which uh, Eddie Izzard is going to be in. And the guy who created it um, also created the, the show Sledgehammer, which um, I watched a little bit. My brother was a big fan of that show and said it was very funny. And so this, the creator, whose name is um, Alan Spencer, talks about other things that influenced him. And one of those things is impulse. Yay! And he says, uh, since the main character of his show, Bullet in the Face, is a sociopathic criminal, I referenced William Shatner's peerless portrayal in this little scene thriller impulse. The captain, formerly known as Kirk, <laughs> plays a paranoid leisure suit wearing weirdo who romances women and kills them. Merciful so they don't have to see the rest of the film. Um, Shatner inspired me to cast a Canadian actor as our lead, so Max Williams plays Gunter Vogel. Max sometimes pauses in between sentences, but not as long as Shatner. Well, nobody does as long as Shatner. Yeah, and then there's a little clip um, from Impulse underneath that with the the infamous balloon yeah, scene. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's great. Yeah, um, I read a little bit more about that today. Um, it's It's supposed to be like a pulp comedy. Mm-hmm. It sounds good. I'm sure if Eddie Izzard is in it, it's good. Yes, and it, that comes on pretty soon, in a few days, I believe. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, 
two more things. It was only going to be one, but okay. I'll, I'll keep it quick so we don't go on too long. Um, I was listening to um, the Nerdist podcast the other day, mm-hmm. which I sometimes listen to. And it's it's another one of those podcasts, I have to say, where the people who are in it just talk too much about themselves. Um, and Will Wheaton was on. And some of it was funny. Too many dick jokes. Too many other stupid jokes. But he told an interesting story, which I wanted to share, um, especially because I know that Maynard would be interested in hearing it, our good pal Maynard. Yes. And um, <clears throat> Will Wheaton said that... Once he was at a convention and he was signing autographs, and it was one of those conventions um, that came at a time in his life when he really felt like his life was kind of over (laughs) (laughs) because he didn't know what he was going to do, and he wasn't doing Star Trek anymore, but he was going to conventions and doing that, and he just felt kind of like depressed about being there. And so he was sitting at a table with uh, another actress, I can't remember her name, and Um, he was just saying that he felt like sort of sitting at the table and not interacting with other people. But across the room was Adam West and Burt Ward. And so he was saying, gosh, I'd really like to meet them, but I'm afraid if I go meet Adam West, it's going to ruin everything because I'm going to meet him and he's going to turn out to be a jerk. Um, Which is a thing that happens, right? Like sometimes you're afraid to meet celebrities because they turn out to be assholes and then it's bad. So this woman said to him, no, you should go talk to him. I've heard he's this really sweet guy and you'd really, you know, it'd be great. And and he was like, no, 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 I don't want to do it. So time goes by. And eventually, as Will Wheaton is sitting there signing autographs, Adam West comes over to him and says, Will, I just wanted to come over and say, I really like all the work that you've done. And I saw you sitting across the room and I really just wanted to come and tell you that I think you're a good actor. And and just goes on and is very wonderful and effusive and sweet and complimentary and, and just as nice and as the best person he could possibly be. How nice. And I just thought that was such a wonderful story, you know, that he took the time out of this being, you know, Adam West is a pretty big star to make somebody else feel nice and welcome. Well, you know, I love when celebrities break down and act like fans. You know, and you see that a lot when Bill meets people on talk shows. You know, they're mm-hmm. like, that's my Shatner. You know, and yeah. these are people who are extremely well-known in their own right. But I think that's a wonderful story. Yeah, so I like that. I just wanted to share that because I thought it was good. Um, um, and then, oh, go I'm ahead. sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I started reading Red Shirts. That was going to be my next topic because I just finished it. Oh, okay. Well, you're way ahead of me. Well, <laughs> um, it's really funny. It's hilariously funny. It is. And when you finish it, I want us to discuss it on the show. Okay. But in the meantime, if um, people want to really be part of that discussion or or get their two cents in, you know, right to us, you should read Red Shirts. Yeah. Very, very entertaining. It is good. I like the writing. I like the characters. I mm-hmm. have to say that, um, I, gosh, I'm blanking on her name, but the female character who was introduced right at the beginning, who's like the buddy of our main character. Yeah. Um, she reminded me a lot of Brant. Oh, ways. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which was good. Well, as you get into it, uh, the character of Lieutenant Kerensky, uh-huh. who gets beaten up to the point of death like every week and then is miraculously healed, he becomes even more fun. Oh, it's great. Um, the thing that is cracking me up right now is that our main character works in one of the science labs in uh-huh. xenobiology. And um, as we had discussed once before, I think, the premise is that everybody on the ship who is below a certain rank, whenever they go on an away mission, they die. Right. And um, so our main character 
excuse me, is trying to figure out why this has happened. And so the first thing that he notices when he's in the Xenobio lab is that when the um, execs come down to look for people for an away mission, everybody disappears. Yeah, they all and go it, out for coffee. Coffee, or they hide in the supply closet, yep. which I thought was just <laughs> hilarious. They go to hide in the closet. And and also that the execs never catch on. Right. You right. know? <laughs> Like, presumably these people have been hiding in the closet for months and months and months and nobody ever notices. Well, um, one of the things I really do like about it is a certain amount of, of fanfic has, has, you know, tried to do that sort of meta thing. Some of it very successfully. This, I think, succeeds beyond other things I've seen try to do the same thing in that their plot um, within the fictional science fiction universe that this is sort of you know, satirizing at the same time inhabiting it actually goes somewhere and there is a development and things happen and it's it's a lot of fun and at the end there are a couple of things that are actually quite touching. So Oh, that's great. Well I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's a quick read. I mean oh, it's yeah. good. So yeah. you just go through it. There's no techno babble or info dumps or anything like mm-mm, that. Mm-mm. It's just good. So that's good. Well I'm I'm gonna try working on it this week. So hopefully next show we can put that on our list. Yeah, so I have to drop an email to Jay Winter, you know, who is one who told us about this and tell him how much I liked it. And yeah. So that was great. Good. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us for now. Yeah, because so, Jack's about to eat my microphone if I don't get up and play rope. So. All right. So um, <laughs> listeners, please continue to send us these tips and tricks and, and um, everything else that you've been sending us because we really, really appreciate it. Go watch the stuff that we're recommending. And if you're reading Red Shirts, let us know yes. so that we can hear what you have to say about it, too. I think that sounds great. All right. Well, um, until next time, we'll just say um, live long and prosper and buy bonds. And live long and potluck. (laughs) 